0: Welcome to Game Changing Leadership. My name is Maileand Greve and together with my co-host Sidi Busham, we will explore the many ways in which game changers are driving innovation. Today we ask if diversity is a game changer. 83% of European companies with diversity in the workplace policies do see business benefits, but is it really all good? for business diversity? And what is really required of a leader to keep diversity sustainable? Those are among the questions we will try to answer in this episode of Game Changing Leadership. If you want to change the world, you need to be special. So why try to be someone else? This was one of your tweets, Johan Andresen, owner and founder of Ferd. Probably or potentially from your virtual participation at the Skull Conference, could you start off with telling us what is so special with you?
1: Um, well, actually, I, my, I think I think my education, my sort of career path, is very sort of a four. You know, it's. Um, um, but still, I am perhaps one of the people in my company who uh, thinks differently about things. Still, because I was, you know, I was born into a family who I'm supposed to take over a family company. But I mean, you know, there's a million and one chance that I would actually be the best person to take over the company, right? Uh, so I think my, I don't know, my skills are um, different than the ones that we normally attract. Um, so therefore, uh, I actually uh, view myself as being part of the diversity in the company, even though I perhaps look and uh, sometimes act as though you know I'm a very sort of blorius, uh, very sort of <laughs> <laughs> uh, m- merchant type of guy. Uh, but I'm not really. Uh, no, I can tweet uh, funky stuff. Um, I publish something uh, anonymously. Um, I set up things that nobody ever thought of. So um, yeah, I'm, and I think being a diverse, uh, telling yourself that I am different as a boss uh, makes it possible for the rest of the organization to recruit differently, at least think differently. Uh, I wouldn't say that our skin color and our culture is all that you know, diverse in all organizations, but I think that the, um, the daring do to think differently, I hope that actually is a big, part of that being diverse, adding to diversity in an organization.
2: But how did you kind of dare to think differently?
1: Uh, well, because I quickly found out that I wasn't, you know, I'm not sort of a very good investor. I'm not very good at uh, analytics. I'm not really good at math. Uh, you're not good, I'm good at anything? Like- <laughs> no, but I mean, no. It, well, actually, I am, <laughs> I am, you know, you gain self-insight from this, you know, from discovering that you're what you're not good at. Uh, and the sooner you come to that self insight, the sooner you come to um, you know the realization that you need to attract people different from yourself. You know, the sooner the better. Um, so if I attracted only people like me to the company, uh, we would we would probably be bankrupt by now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I try to surround myself with people that are much better than me. Well, you say, well, that shouldn't be too difficult, um, <laughs> <laughs> which it is no, not. No, no. Uh, but they are also different in their own way. But I think, I think, you know, if you have self insight, I think it's a good way to start to recruit, you know, to attract people because you are not looking for replicas of yourself, or at least you shouldn't.
0: Thank you. Now, Dagvin Ringos, our second guest of um, today's podcast. Um, why do you think you were invited to today?
3: That's a good question. Uh, thank you for inviting me. First and foremost, it's great to be here. Uh, maybe and hopefully, because I care about the topic, um, and uh, I was uh, thinking a bit about that before coming here today. And that is, why do I care about about diversity, and, and what is it in my career that has uh, brought that on top of mind for me from from day one, basically. Um, I think it's three things. Uh first and foremost, I grew up in a in a very equal home. Very strong mother, very my my dad did all the work at home and they were both career people. Uh secondly, I was lucky enough to work in organizations where I had a lot of strong both women leaders, women bosses and and bosses from different cultures, different c- countries uh growing up or, or in in the early days of my career. And also being part of uh, Maybe I can call it high-performing organizations to see how important diversity actually is, uh, and then again, is it a is it a game changer? I think basic diversity is not a game changer. I think it's a necessity; you just have to have there. I think it's a game changer to to make it work, and that's the tricky part. And, and hopefully, something we will uh, we will discuss.
0: Let me tell me why uh, why uh, we invited you. <laughs> Maybe something completely different. No. It's not very different. It's, uh, it's probably because we know that you have uh, quite a few good stories to, to share with us. But uh, you're probably one of, the, one of the guys that I know of that with um, very high integrity would, in a locker room, be able to discuss both feminism and diversity. So I think that uh, bears uh, the story of who you are. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we are really um, curious about how that came to be. So when we talk about diversity, it's often perhaps perceived as uh, one of the check checks that you have to do on your KPIs. Are we diverse? Have we recruited enough women? Are we RV enough women at the top? That leads me to you, Johan, because when I did a little bit of um, uh, research on your company, I saw a couple of things that distressed me a bit and, and made me a bit curious because you, you only have three people in your uh, top management floor. They're all men in their 40s, and they're white. And then I looked at your board of directors. Uh, four out of five are men, um, one woman. They're all white and uh, well up in their ages. Mature people, uh, one could say. Can you share with us why you have set it up like that?
1: Well, um, Whenever you look at an organization, you get a glimpse of what it looks like today. If you look back to when I set set it up uh, in 2003, when I recruited the first board, it was uh, 40% women, uh, and the chair was a female. And that lasted for uh, 10 years. Uh, But nobody at that time gave a shit about that. Um, It was not interesting. Because whenever you look at something that looks perfect, you move to the next one. So today uh, it's slightly different because I stepped down as um, as the CEO, um, and there was no other position that I could take than um, than the chair. Um, and then we did have actually forty percent women on the board, um, but I lost a lady in uh, in Sweden, and I haven't um, found a new one yet. So yes, we are slightly lacking in that regard. Um, now as f- with management, if you look at the uh, yeah the the three top people are actually guys. But if you look at, there's no other investment company in Norway that has anywhere near the number of female professionals among the professionals. Um, And we we don't necessarily talk too much about that. Do you know why? Because we don't want them to be (laughs) recruited away from us. Uh, You know, so it's, we don't really say uh, from the top of the rampers that you know we have the best uh, uh, ladies on board um, simply because uh, well we know that we do um, and we know we want them to uh, to stay so actually we don't really feel bad about that because it it, it sort of fluctuates um, uh, and we have a I mean we've had um, we that's actually a funny story if you want if you want a little story about uh, kids um, 100 kids have been born under my regime Um, in in your company, yes, of the people employed at any any point in time, and there's about 136 of them. Um, 100 people, uh, 100 kids, five breakups, five separations or breakups of the same people. Now you do the math on that one, because uh, if there's anyone, I don't think there's, there's very few organizations that can match us on that. And that is actually says something about how they view us, not how we view them. Because I think when we talk about diversity, I think it's also a question on how do couples choose organizations differently today? Do they choose it alone or do they choose it together? And what what follows once one person is hired uh, in our case, uh, they start a rabbit farm, it looks like because they're really producing kids like <laughs> uh, like crazy. Uh, yeah, even yesterday there was one who I recently hired who uh, you know who's gonna have a kid in June. Well, great, There'll be 103, I think by the time uh, June rolls around. But we really we think this is one of the ways we measure whether people actually are not happy, but also whether they stay. And whether they actually sort of, whether they're together about it. Um, and I, I, think that, sort of, yeah, yeah. I
2: think that's really a right point because it's, it's diversity in, in real life. It is not necessarily just saying that, oh, I support you, dear wife. You actually need to do it. And the home grounds, because that's where it's challenging or often. So, how, how do you deal with your daily lives? Like, how have you and your wife shared um, responsibilities growing up? Well, and I were
1: into sort of the part of the uh, sort of the equality is stuff, but uh, we were very fortunate. I mean, she um, stopped working, we had a lot of help. Um, So, um, yeah, not really
0: a representative. No,
1: (laughs) No, Doug
2: Finn, how do you? uh, Has it been different?
1: Um,
3: so my wife is a lawyer. She, she, she's quite busy as well, but uh, we also get help uh, at home, and and, uh, and I think that uh, it makes us easier for us to be better towards each other and being better towards each other, we're better towards our kids. So I think we have a fair share of, of what we do at home, but uh, but also I, I I would be the first thing to say that maybe not that representative because we also are fortunate enough to have help, and that has uh, helped us a lot because it, it's really demanding if when you have... Two people that is uh, uh, giving full throttle and full speed yeah. in the in the career, it's uh, it's uh, challenging. So.
2: I, I think we've seen like a change in society. Suddenly, you see a lot of men with um, with uh, prams walking around doing grocery shoppings, and and, and I have a my brother is a, in his late thirties, and um, and just watching him and his wife, how they are really sharing the responsibility of becoming parents is. It's totally different from myself about uh, eighteen years ago. So it's it's interesting to see how the what's uh, what we're talking about is actually um, changing.
3: But 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 I, but I think one, one thing that is much more interesting on, uh, on that perspective is it, I'm not that interested in who 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 carries the pram and who does what with the baby. I mean, what my wife is Brazilian. She was a lawyer in Brazil. We lived in Brazil and we lived in Sydney. And when we decided to move to Norway back in 2005, um, it it was crystal clear for me that in order for us to live here, you need to have a meaningful job. You're way too smart. You're way too good to just not do anything. You're an exceptional lawyer. You need to use that. And that's not easy in Norway. And if that doesn't work, we'll move. Yeah, somewhere you have else. to go back. Yeah. That was sort of the contract. And I said, if if that doesn't work for you and you don't find meaningful work, uh, we move somewhere else. I can work anywhere. I think that's more interesting and more important for equality than, than no, but I think who that carries that's the where, troll in. Yeah, like,
2: I, I totally agree. But that's where it starts. Because suddenly when you get that close um, connection to your child that early, then suddenly you want to be home when they're sick and suddenly you want to follow to uh practice and to school uh what you call like social uh things and and that's where it sort of starts
0: or at least i think so that that has made a change but let's let's go back to to what uh johan started off with uh with regards to his company it says it says uh quite a few things about your company when both you see you have a very low sort of divorce rate and uh um and they keep having babies. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> uh, well, um uh, but the but, Prime Minister told us to us yes, Well done. <laughs> Very good. Um but if say I'm a say I'm a new say I'm a talent in your organization, um, Doug, and I'm um, I'm experienced and I enter your organization. What am I entering?
3: So you're entering an organization with uh, 20 different nationalities, uh, a good mix of seniors and juniors, uh, you're entering a very flat organization where you are seen and I think where uh, our values are are very very important and where diversity is high on the agenda, where we have uh, women mentorship programs that it's both for women and for men, it's not only about women, it's about learning across genders. It's an organization where, where diversity is more than gender. It's culture, experience, backgrounds, seniority, etc., etc. So, so uh, I hope that, the, that uh, first and foremost our new and also our young people coming in see that uh, and feel that and also feel that they're coming to a company where they're seen and heard.
0: So, so the companies, um, normally you would say that if you enter a new company, you come in with your bold ideas and you have, a, you have an idea, you've been given a sale, right? This is the magnificent organization that you're entering and you come into that organization with all that vigor and then maybe you're quite quick at sort of going with the flow. How do you keep that which makes those people special to stay special in your companies?
1: Well, I think um, one way to do it is is that you very early on said we this uh, organization uh, lives and thrives and depends totally on initiatives coming from below. I mean, so there is no way that Johan or his uh, close compadres will actually come up with continuously good ideas. Um, so, so we don't really have a vision that say we're gonna, you know, uh, like a chaos or others that clearly points us in a certain direction we have to reinvent ourselves you know every day uh, and come up with new problems and new solutions and we expect people to start providing that from day one Uh, and and i'm very disappointed if people just fall into the you know into the rat race uh, or into the compartment immediately Uh, and i always ask for you know what do you think of this and uh, you know what did you bring to this table and blah, blah blah so i think And I think you have to set that tone very early. I mean, I think you have to, I think it's partly why they're attracted to us. And and that's, I mean, that's a different question. Why are certain people attracted to certain organizations? Uh, And how do you design that funnel? Uh, Because I think the best people actually choose you not the other way around. And when I say best, I don't mean only, you know, the high performers, but also those with a good set of values that matches and, you know, complements the organization. So so that is really the key, you know, how do you and how do you get diversity, and maybe even, you know, inclusiveness, if you really got to put the bar really high into that funnel. That's the challenge. But
2: how do you then um, make sure that it's not the hippos that always make the decisions?
1: The hippos? Yeah, the
2: high people <laughs> or the high-paid people's opinions, um, like the ones that sit on the top with the with the most expensive suit and and the <laughs> okay. title. I, have, I, didn't,
1: I didn't. I must. Have, I, I never thought of myself as a hippo, but okay. Um, no, I'm not
2: saying that you are. But maybe the two other guys that you. Yeah, I, I need
1: that to lose you, a wet, but still. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, no, no,
2: no. But how, how do you yeah. make sure that? You are not the one sort of ending up with making the decision all the time it's your company it's your money like how do you how well, do you I mean, make sure end, that
1: you know in the end I mean you have to allocate funds and people to a certain you know uh, case or you know buy a certain company but I mean along the way who comes up with that um, you know i I hope that idea is not generated from the top I really do mm. um, it shouldn't. Because, I mean, we have a large organization of 56 people, which is a very large investment company in Norway. I think only investor in Sweden has something similar, Uh, which means that we expect people to, uh, you know, to shine.
2: But do you have awards? Do you have, like, how do you...
1: No, awards? No, are are you crazy? I mean... uh, No awards? (laughs) No, well, I mean, I I promoted a guy who was 35 years old to become the CEO, uh, you know, internally. So, I mean, awards, I mean, awards is actually giving people more trust, more responsibility, more freedom. I mean, that's the award, right?
2: Uh, is that because you have a very good direction then? Everyone knows what the company values and the, the yes, mission course, and what you want to do. Yes, of course, of know the
1: values, but the direction is, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, if you asked me five years ago, I would have said, you know, we would be there and now we're there. So uh, direction is something we create. I mean, it's like uh, I say, third, which you know means in you know, International asset—it means a journey without an end. Uh, so we're like a, we're, we're like a ship, right? When we don't necessarily know where, where we're going, but you can, you can, everyone can actually influence the course. Hmm. One comes up with a better idea than uh, the, the 55 others. We'll go in that direction.
0: And listening to Johan, we get this notion or this feeling that diversity is king. It's absolutely fantastic, really. Is it that fantastic, Dogfin?
3: That's I, what I said initially, that I, I think getting diversity right is really tricky. Uh, and and uh, I think uh, I fully agree with what Yuan said on maybe one of the most important things as a leader is to say that, hey, I don't have all the answers. Uh, Yuan is a, is, a, is a famous investor. Uh, everybody knows who he is, but he actually dares to say, hey, I'm not that good at analytics. I'm not that good at math that's pretty brave but it also opens up the eyes for for the people in these organizations to step up that's how you make things grow from from the bottom but that might be tricky in different <laughs> cultures uh, and i have some stories on that because i think get it, getting diversity right i think it's it's about recruitment getting different people in it's about getting the teams and getting the diversity mix right and i think that's Uh, the second part, and the third part is about applying different leadership to different types of people, which is a lot more difficult than just being one leader to everybody. Uh, And and I think when it comes to diversity, it's kind of a a normalization curve or or a Gauss curve. It's it's really bad to not have any diversity, then it becomes good. And if you have too much, it becomes (laughs) totally inefficient and really, really difficult. In one of the companies that I used to work for, I had six different nationalities in my leadership team. I had 14 people, I had a Norwegian, Swede, Danish, French, Indian, and a guy from the US.
0: How do you make decisions in that?
3: (laughs) Don't even go there, (laughs) but but that's that's one question. The other question is how do you become a great leader for that group Mm. uh, and for each individual in that group? And how do you get that group to work together? because the Norwegians in the group, and I'm generalizing a bit here, okay, because there's very different cultural differences here but, and, and individual differences, but the Norwegians in this group love the approach that, hey, I don't know these things. I need you guys to make this decision. I need you involved. I need you to decide. Fantastic. The Norwegians, they don't do anything unless they want to themselves. <laughs> the French in the group came to me for decisions all the time. And when I said, hey, that's your job to make that decision, Why why do I need to pay you if if you're coming to me for all the decisions? They looked at me as a weak leader because, hey, you're supposed to make these decisions. And the Swede wanted everybody to agree all the time. And the Dane was arguing on everything and uh, he was negotiating on everything. Uh, And and, and so, so I realized that actually the type of leadership that I have to apply, I have to maybe make some more decisions and be a bit more directive on some cultures and a bit more involving and including on others. Uh, and, and that that's fun, and it's uh, from, from a social, anthropologic uh, perspective, but it's tricky, uh, and it's difficult. And I think we had too much diversity in that group, and, and it was difficult to get it to work together, and it was taking a lot of my capacity, sort of my mental capacity, to, to adjust my leadership all the time, and that's mm. uh, difficult.
2: I actually have it like that now. I have a Swiss, Chinese, uh, <laughs> Swedish, uh, mm. Dane. Yeah, it's it's exactly exactly the same. And you,
3: and you can you cannot apply the same leadership to to everybody, and, and especially
2: on screen. And you've never met any of them live because I started on the sixteenth of March. So any good ideas on how to sort of do that would be uh, amazing. <laughs> We're no, because-
0: welcomed, and that's a perfect uh, segue to game-changing leadership. So, in your experiences, you have both worked both internationally and uh, and here in Norway, and you're also in organizations that uh, both apply people with uh, with uh, various backgrounds. and um, And you touched upon it. So, how can you set yourself up for success as a leader?
1: That's a very big question. (laughs) Do you have another hour or two? (laughs) I mean, I I think, I mean, I, as far as I'm concerned, since I was, you know, uh, I, I did, I did understand that I would not, I was not born a great leader. uh, So I would just have to find out how to be a good one, uh, a good enough one uh, in, in our company, a family business, you know? Uh, So... Um, so as I said, I, I, yeah, you start recruiting the best people you can find um, in order to, you know, to change the company into something better than it uh, was in the previous generation. Um, and you experiment. At least for, as an investment company, you need to. I mean, if, if you are not going to just put the money in the, in the bank or in, a, you know, in external funds, you need to experiment. And that's what we did. Uh, we've been experimenting ever since, and we. You know, we have some major screw ups, but um, you know.
0: All in you know. all, looking at the numbers, it yeah, all well, like no, in you know, it looks okay. Quite yeah, a I bit. mean, it's going
1: in the right direction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would you, what would you uh, say, um, characterizes leaders that are game changers who are really moving the needle? Not just, you know, being a good leader is okay, but which leaders or what type of leadership do you see as make up for game changers?
3: It's different leadership, different skills in in different contexts and different times. But but I think what you once said on really, really, it's it's a cliche, but saying that you need to find people that are better than yourself, it's 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 super true. I think that's that's people that dare to say that and actually do it, is is critical. And also, I think leaders that dare to sort of plant the flag on things that they believe in. For example, diversity. You, you said initially that you know, everybody has, has it on their scorecards, and everybody's tweeting about it, and it's on social media, and I'm proud to be on this uh, podcast talking about diversity. But how many really, really cares? So, so, so you really need to, to plant flags on, 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 the, on the stuff that you believe in. Uh, as an example, diversity and recruitment. I grew up in tech. It's difficult to find women in tech. They are there, but you have to look harder. So when I say to my organization that we are to double the number of women hires in this company over the next three years, and we are to reduce the average age of new hires with five years, I'm making their job a lot more difficult because it's much easier to go after the men. And, and, and then I'm also getting reactions internally on, hey, what about me? I'm a male, 45. Uh, nobody cares about me anymore. I'm not important to this company. Yes, we love you too, but we need you together with young people, women, men. You're making people's job more difficult. So you need to, you need to stand that ground, and you need to be able to communicate why you're doing it. So, so I, I think so leaders. So why do you do, do it? No, I, I do it because it makes sense. I think it makes sense for our business. Uh, I'm, but you I'm, said you
0: you. You, you touched upon the Gauss curve and you said that if you're in sort of in the middle of this, then then you can make it work. And if it's too much, then it's too hard. Mm-hmm. And you spend your, your time and energy on making them work rather than actually delivering results. So how... But
3: you need to find the balance. That, that's what it's about. And unless you plant the flags hard, you won't fa- find the balance. Again. Why?
0: Because it's so easy to just be
3: you, it's, it's, playing people, with, your, if, with if the I same guys? If, if I didn't say that this is a target that we're going to reach, no matter, come hell and high water, we're going to reach this target. If I don't say that, people will keep recruiting men 48 with a high salary and a low hourly rate uh, for forever in this industry. If you don't force them to say, hey, it's not okay to come with a man for every single hire, you need to go some extra rounds and look harder, Mm. look harder and then send them back, look two times, three times. Four times, okay. We didn't find one. Fine. Then it's okay. Then you hire the guy. But if you, if at least if you don't look, that's not okay. So you need to, to sort of force your organization to look harder for the women talent that is out there. The same thing with young people is a funny discussion. In, in um, both Microsoft and Schneider Electric, which are large global organizations, we had to take in trainees every year. Five, five, six trainees, and everybody's being told you need to make room for this in your P&L. So You need to find available headcounts to fit in these new new talents, and then everybody's sitting on their hands. So who who, who are going to take in the trainees? <laughs> Nobody says anything, and then everybody, everybody, yeah, know, and everybody comes up. No, we are in the enterprise business, or we cannot, uh, we cannot have uh, young people in this. This is a senior part of the business, or we are in. Real estate development, or we are in this part of the business and we only look for seniors. So there's always an argument on who on who's going to take the trainees. And then you force that through somehow. And after one year, when three, four of the trainees that are 29 years old, 32 years old are shining, then the fight for those trainees starts. Of
2: course. Yeah, and yeah, then okay. everybody wants and yeah, yeah. they start
3: picking the trainees from each other. So 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 that's that's what I mean. You have to sort of be able to communicate why it's important that that you stand your ground on these topics and, and sort of force your teams to go a couple of extra rounds initially because it's just hassle in their av- everyday life uh, and then they will see the benefits down the road so but I, do you
2: have any s- good uh, stories on the benefits that uh, you have seen throughout all these years of,
3: of course we have Tons of of stories of of young people, amazing, uh, and, and I'm sure Johan can talk about Morten as well, who is a young leader running Fyed. But in, in my career, it's, it's we have one example where I was leading Schneider Electric, very traditional business, uh, electro engineering. Lots of men. We had 800 people in the audience, and we were demonstrating. Uh, circuit breakers, which is not the most uh, (laughs) sexy equipment in the world. But we did it in a fabulous way with young, super smart trainees coming out of NTNU showing how you could uh, use and kick off digital circuit breakers with big banks, with apps, uh, with engaging presentations, with a new mindset, and they just blew the audience away. And they were like, they both know their stuff, they're good engineers and they have tons of energy uh, and they do it differently. And they do it differently. Yeah. Uh, and we, we use some of those same trainees in, in, in large bids in front of customers. And and yes, they, they, they make a mistake here and there. But at the end of the day, it becomes a differentiation because the customer sees that, hey, this is not only old men in gray suits. So so you get a
1: differentiation flavor to it as well. Yeah, really, I think what you're saying is excellent. And But sometimes um, in order to move one needle, maybe you need to find another needle. Uh, and that's, So we have started two organizations outside the organization. One is the Nordic Microfinance Initiative, and the other one is, uh, which is actually internal, uh, the third social entrepreneurs. And they recruit differently. I mean, and they attract different people. Uh, the Microfinance organizations have perhaps the best diversity factor of all uh, the companies that we've started. Um, but, but then our people see, wow, it's possible. I mean, they can do it. Um, and sometimes, you know, they. I mean, actually, we would like her. You know, why did why did she, she go there? Uh, so, so I think that interaction with other organizations um, and use them as examples, uh, although we initiated them, um, makes us, you know, not come with, up with that many excuses anymore uh, because we see it's possible uh, and they're close to us. So we dare to invite them. We dare, you know, how did you achieve that, etc. Um, and it also, I think. It, 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 it uh, challenges us to, to think about are, are we really living the values or are we just hoping that we're living the values? so so I think that's at least and, and that's part of the experimentation. you can actually experiment with different ways of setting up organizations I mean they have their own you know challenges and targets. Uh, one of them is reaching 10 million women uh, so um, you know below the poverty line but I mean so that's not the same needle as the one you know down here um, a few blocks away from here. It proves that you can move the needle and there are different ways of moving the needle.
0: so in your career you must have seen companies elevate with um, very different sets of of of, of rules um, than those who just stay normal and I think during this episode you have you've taught us um, and told about how you try to lead differently in your own organization by both flagging what you're not good at opening up the floor for those who are actually excellent at that and also recruiting way better competence um, than yourself but what makes up for really game-changing
1: leadership well i think you know uh it's it's almost an answer or impossible question to to answer because i mean in some cases it's you know, it's technology in another place, it's uh, diversity is the game changer. I mean, that's what really, you know, we have a, an office in Singapore, uh, they recruit from all over Asia. And that is the game changer. I mean, you, you have the whole of Asia who wants to come and work in Singapore uh, to be an engineer. So uh, and if you didn't have diversity, I mean, if you only hired people from Singapore, I mean, you know, your pool would be that's, you know, very, very small. So in some cases, it's not only the game changer, it's the premise. It's really, it's the basis. It's uh, call it the hygiene factor. It's the license to operate whatever you want. You know, in in Norway, we need more diverse organizations to actually compete globally. Uh, uh, so that's that's a different, you know, setting. And in some cases, like, you know, the prime minister has challenged us, you need to be inclusive. I mean, you, diversity is not enough. You need to take it one Step further and include people who are not only white and women, uh, but they. What about if they have a you know um, a hole in their CV? Uh, what if there's somebody who's been in prison? Uh, you know, will you include them as well or not? Um, and that I mean that maybe that's a different podcast, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but you, we, at least we try to challenge ourselves and our companies on. Okay, what can we do with regards to? Recruiting these people, giving giving them a chance, and, and that I think is actually moving the needle as well.
0: So it is time to wrap up this uh, this episode. But before we do so, I'd like to understand what you will take with you from today's talk, Doug Finn.
3: It was way too short. We should have, we, can, we can speak for a long time <laughs> on this topic, and there are so many things we haven't touched upon. But I think, but I think one one uh, what you just said about. What what makes up for game changing leadership? It depends on the context. It depends. That's that's one key takeaway for me. It depends on where you are, what type of industry, what type of business. Sometimes it's the product. Sometimes it's the vision. Sometimes it's a celebrity leader. Sometimes it's really really good people on the on the industry floor. It's different things. My company is only about people and culture. Nothing else. We have no factories, no hard asset, nothing. Only minds and hearts. So how I am building and, and how we are trying to build an unstoppable culture is what what makes the difference in our company. That might be different in a, in a, in a different company. Okay, so. we
0: have to pause there because I really, I'm really i really curious about when you say unstoppable culture.
3: Oh, that's very exciting. You have, that's to, you
0: have to give us your sort of two cents. <laughs> on Okay, what, what I, will, is that? I will.
3: So I, I believe, I, especially in people businesses, which business is not a people business, but building a business is for me... It's the same as making a farm grow uh, and to really build a culture that is unstoppable. It's not about walking on coal or singing kumbaya on, on off sites or these <laughs> type of things. It's a combination of different things. And I compare it to, to, the, to, the, to the farm field. You need uh, soil. You need a seed. You need to water that seed. And you need some sun. And you need to, to harvest some weed. Uh, and in a company context, that means the, the soil is about— Your company profile, your values, uh, what makes people proud of the company you work for, uh, your vision, your mission, all those things that you cannot sort of touch, but the feeling that it creates inside people's hearts, that's the soil you need in place. Then you need a seed, and that is about having the right game plan, right strategy, right people in the right roles, right diversity mix, so that your star players look around and say, hey... This is a cool place to be. I work with other strong people. Here I can grow and thrive. I believe in this team, I believe in the plan. That that's the seed. And then you need to water it, and that's developing people, but it's also governance and discipline and scorecards and all those things you need in a business. And sun is is uh, is about uh, celebrating successes and and and, and great uh, great efforts. And then what is weed? What does weed do in a farm? It, uh, it blocks sun and steals energy. So you need to take that out of the organization. And do, you so, ev- so,
2: but do you ever celebrate mistakes? Yes, failures? of course.
3: Yeah, you I, do. I've had uh, the weekly wine for the biggest failure. We had the uh, worst practice sharing. We used to introduce <laughs> that. In. I was so fed up of all the best practice sharing sessions where people were just sitting and trying to make it into bragging sessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's turn it into worse practice sharing, who really, really screwed up uh, and, and what can you share and what is the learning? So, so my point is, Unstoppable Cultures is, is, is about a mix of hard things, soft things, scorecards, hooded sweaters with your brand on it, your logo, your profile, leaders. It, it, it's a mix. But uh, oh, Sorry,
2: I get, how do you get your inspiration? Where have you gotten your inspiration to do all these things? because i recognize some from where i used to work but is it throughout your life just because you worked in so many different companies or where do you go and get that inspiration
3: so well, so business is about stealing with pride there is no there is no uh, so so the farm metaphor uh, i i actually got that from uh, from southwest airlines uh, the hr vp of them, the southwest is, is famous for their culture so, so they told me about this uh, this farmer metaphor for the first time, and I think it was great. And and uh, a CFO that I worked with before, he looked at, hey, look at this, listen to this, this is really really cool stuff. And I said, yes, let's try to use that. Uh, and now I'm lucky enough to work in a company where we can put that into play, and it's uh, it's uh, it's good fun. So that's one example. But at the end of the day, you you that that's one of the benefits of working for for organizations that have put people and culture and learning. Uh, on top of the agenda for years, so so it's all about picking up stuff you learn from different places. I didn't invent it
1: myself.
0: And Johan, you what's your uh, sort of key takeaway? So what no, do I you... think what,
1: one of the things I, I I heard often said is that you know that in a small organization or even maybe in the big one that you need to apply slightly different leadership skills depending on the cultural background uh, expectation. Um, and I think that's a that's a good reminder because I think sometimes we you know we're so stressed that we we treat everyone equally. Well, that's fine from you know, but maybe people also wanted to be treated you know to some extent, especially uh, um, you know, so at, at giving special attention means also giving attention to their diversity, not only their you know their con- contribution.
0: Do you do fuck up nights in Um
1: uh, well it's kind of it's kind of lonely then because yeah, <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> mostly me but I mean uh, no well I mean not fuck up nights but I mean I'm the one that keeps reminding people uh, about this uh, um, but, but but yeah we do have sort of but, but it, often it's just it's missed opportunities it's, it's stuff that we didn't do it's not the stuff that we did do uh, because it's, it's the stuff that we sh- shied away from because for some reason um, uh, and that's that's where the big opportunities were lost, and that is also a mistake. Because when you come back, you say, "Well, at that time, that was probably a good decision." Uh, but that's because we didn't really know ourselves. We didn't really challenge ourselves. We didn't find the right partner. We should have looked differently. Um, and I think that you know that's the learning part. If you just sort of uh, you know drown your mistakes in a bottle of wine, I mean that's that's fine too. But I mean that you know you need to move on, right? I mean you need to learn something, uh, and that institutional learning is very difficult um, because you need to sort of, yeah, you need to share things that are not fun. And I see people, I mean, their their body language changes, you know, immediately when they have to sort of, yeah, maybe I should, maybe we should have, but it's painful. But I think it's, you know, I sort of, I take sort of a funky position on that and say, okay, let's, let's see if we can do things differently the next time. Um, And yeah.
0: I would love to see you (laughs) Coming coming out with uh, oh guys let's. (laughs) Well, we don't do it all the time because you
1: you can't sort (laughs) of you know do sort of uh, uh, dig graves or dig up graves every time. But um, so you need to move on. But people say, well, you remember that time when we had that? Yeah, okay, then we'll do it.
0: It's about learning. Fuck up nights. It's all about <laughs> learning. Like, what What did we do? You know, what would do? Did we do wrong? And how can we how can we learn from that and, and not do the same mistake or at least as uh, a as, uh, provident as we just did? Siri, you have been working in Huawei now for nine months. You have uh, been in Google for 12 years. You have people are on your agenda, you know, on the top of your agenda. But what now that you have um, participated in this uh, uh, diversity discussion? What do you take with oh, you? I think
2: I need to ask Dagfinn how we solve that uh, with all the different uh, nationalities. But I, um, I think what I learned from this today is is that the passion you have is actually um, brings you to the goal if you dare to stand in that in that belief that this is what I want to do because of. Um, uh, this information and if I if I if I just dare to st- and don't get um, insecure, but just dare to s- to stay in that on that path then I think um, I can get somewhere with what I'm trying to do right now uh, but it's a uh, it sounds so easy um, and especially for me now being part of a brand new um, culture. I've never worked in the Chinese company before. I've never been there, never worked with Chinese. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that works and at the same time um, have a b- very big job uh, that I, I need to do. So uh, I think I'm just going to take with me the, the passion that you guys show so very clear and then and as you said sort of just plant that flag and just say this is where I'm going and then there will be uh, uh,
0: there will be a uh, fuck up. There, there will, will be some
2: big crashes, <laughs> I'm sure. But then just find another uh, another way um, around it. And I think that is at least something with the um, the Asian culture that you can take. They they do mistakes, and then they just find another way. Um, they would take the country road instead of the highway for a little short period, and then they're back on the highway again. So, yeah, I, it might be possible
3: one well, one thing I just just have to add throw that in as well we didn't talk about it that much and that is walking the talk and the importance of walking the talk because it's uh, you you get your your cover gets blown in a second if you're not genuine and if you're not walking the talk and i'll give you an example you know how we have been planting the more women into to Cisco and how we're going to increase women in our company uh, Three one of ago, those.
0: One of those is actually being a, a part of Auda network. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. And and, and um, three months ago, I have a, I had an open position as a new head of people in our organization, and I had a fantastic guy that I worked with for many years outside. You know, you keep you keep a little envelope of of super strong people that you love that you when the when the opportunity opens, I'll get him or her. Mm-hmm. Perfect job for him. And I was just going to go the shortcut way, and I'm going to put you in this head of people. And then, then I was a bit, okay, wait a minute. I'm asking all my people to go an extra mile to find women. And then I, I go and I recruit the guy without even opening a process. I cannot do it. And then I was like, I, I cannot let this guy go. What do I actually do? And that that became, do I go against my principle of, you know, if if we have a strong guy and a strong gal, we pick the strongest candidate. I don't pick a weaker woman over a a better man, never. Thank you. I pick pick the strongest candidate. But I need to make sure that I actually looked for uh, competition for him.
0: Exactly. Thank you. So (laughs) I
3: kind of, okay, I won't do the shortcut. I'll go the other round. And I ended up hiring a woman, not because she was any less than him. She was as good, maybe even better, and better suited. But I, at the, at the same time, I can't believe that I let this guy go because he's he's a fabulous he's a fabulous, he's but, a but fabulous to have guy. But having
2: men in uh, head of people is actually quite nice as well. That's, because
3: I know, and that's there also is usually, why. usually, if
2: you look at all these management, uh, uh, they, there's like oh, there's one woman. Oh, do you know what? Oh, that was HR.
3: I know. It's but always I, but I would end up with uh, with uh, way too many women in my team, and I, uh, but I agree. It's uh, in, in in Schneider. I had women in the as as leaders for the biggest PLs and the biggest businesses, and I had a guy in HR. But, Sometimes. you know, if
0: the guy is that great, then you just find a new position for him. Yes. Simple as that. Yes. And with that, I, I think we need to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much um, to all of you for uh, for participating. Darkfin, Johan, it's been a true pleasure uh, to get to know you a little bit. And um, I think me and Siri are left behind with some serious men on the table who are working hard uh, on the topic of diversity and actually means it. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you.
1: you. Great to be here for having us.
0: This has been Game Changing Leadership, a podcast brought to you by Oslo Business Forum. We hope you enjoyed it. Share the podcast if you found it valuable and be sure to listen to our next episode if you want to discover more about game changers and what we can learn from them.